to Maranatha Christian Assembly Podcast, where we bring you the Word of God wherever you are. We pray that you be blessed by God's Word this week. Praise the Lord. My name is John Lim. And my wife is here with me this morning, Rebecca. So we've been missionaries around and very, um, very merry and blessed Christmas season to all of you and to your loved ones. I, I know that we are not yet Christmas. Officially, Jesus was only born on the 25th of December, as we all traditionally believe it to be. It's a Christian joke, I think. Yeah, but in any case... As you have mentioned, I have been in France for the last close to 20 years. Before that, we spent um, six years in Africa, three years in the Philippines. So my heart is for mission. And I believe that we all, I love that song that you sang just now, you know, the, the third song where you said, we are all called down here. And I believe that we all have a mission when we're down here. God has a mission for everyone whether it is overseas or whether it is here, where you are, with your community, with your loved ones, we all are missionaries for Christ. So we have mentioned that there's a blog. My, I've started a, a ministry called Hope Beyond Borders. So please, if you like to connect, I'll be very happy to connect where we can share ideas and see how we can serve God in whatever capacity you are in today. You know, as I was preparing this message, there was a song that came back to me constantly, that is, God with us. You know, when He is with us, no one can be against us. And I felt that it was so apt that in this Advent season, the four Sundays before Christmas, where we have the message of hope, peace, joy, and love, that we can ponder upon how the presence of God can really transform our influence around us, our influence in the lives of people. Because we always have a question, what do I, what is the value, what is the meaningfulness of me being here? What does God want me to do? If we are all called to go to heaven to be with Him, should God just not bring us all immediately the day we are saved? But if that does not happen, perhaps God has something meaningful for us while we are still here, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Sean. So I'd like to ask if you know this song, let's worship the Lord as we sing this song. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that moves in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice. 
rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O wisdom from on high, who ordered all things mightily to us the path of knowledge show and teach us in its ways to go rejoice rejoice Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. O come, O bright and morning star, and bring us comfort from afar. Dispel the shadows of the night, and turn our darkness into light. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you. Bind in one the hearts of all mankind Bid all our sad division cease And be yourself, O King of Peace Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel Shall come to you, O Israel. Lord, I pray that you will speak to us through this message today as we prepare for the Christmas season. Lord, I believe that you have given all of us this mission on this earth that we could be fruitful and multiply not just purely in a biological sense, but really in a spiritual sense where we can reach and touch lives who need the message of Christ. And this morning, I pray that as we receive this word, I pray that you speak to our hearts deep down within so that we all, Lord, can grow and really, Lord, become disciples, Christians for your kingdom. I thank you, Lord, and in the name of Jesus, we all pray. Amen. Please turn to your neighbor. Now, your neighbor is the one next to you, especially if it's your wife or your husband, and say, 
I'm so happy that you're listening to this. <laughs> yes, yes, this is the only time I can make my wife listen to me. Hmm. <laughs> you know, as I was looking through some of the news, then we, we keep hearing this, Gaza, Palestine. Then it's very, you know, it's so terrible to realize that they are separated just by a wall. Offense, and it's not even a physical wall. It's just a wall of political uh, affiliation. It's a wall of armaments. It's a wall of racial tension. It's a wall of human divisions, and this is the world as we see today: Russia and Ukraine, Central Africa, North Africa. So many times when there's divisions, we realize that it's because. There's this deep discontentment in man where we seem that we feel that we need more so that we feel that we are more valued, we are more powerful, we have more strength, we have more show of arms. And I realize that as we prepare for our Christmas season, maybe one thing we need to understand is, you know, all our value and all of our worth Maybe it does not come from what we possess, but it comes from who we possess. And that's why today's message, I've entitled it, Embracing the Gift of Love. Through the Advanced, Advanced Sundays, Hope, Peace, Joy, and Love. And one Bible verse just comes up strongly to me, if we have been in church for at least one day in our lifetime, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest God, the greatest entity, the greatest being had demonstrated the greatest love self-sacrificial love to the greatest number of his creation and he gave his greatest gift his only begotten son so that whoever believes could have the greatest redemption to have e eternal and everlasting life to be free from our past and I would like to propose to you three fundamental points in today's message. When we want to embrace the gift of love this Christmas, we have to understand that there is this gift which is an unconditional love. And this unconditional love, you know, it is really unconditional because so many times when we have the notion of love, it is through Hollywood, it is through Bollywood, it is through all the woods you find around you, especially in Bukit Panjang maybe. And then you, you realize that so many times the impressions of love that we receive is a love that is for me. No? It's, it's very, it's very selfless because it's just me, myself and I. This is my love, the one I want, 
the thing I want, the way I want, the time that I need. And this is the notion of love we see around us. And so many times this word has been thrown freely and people are talking about it. Oh, you love that? I love chocolate. I love marshmallows. I, yeah, please don't take too much. If not, you will have problem with your doctors. But, you know, this whole idea of love has become so washed down. But when you look at the word of God, you realize in Romans chapter 5 that God commands His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet undeserving, sinful, dirty, worthless, even in the eyes of men, God loved us. And that is the Christmas message that God came down and transformed us. This is unconditional love. In Luke chapter 2 verse 10, the angel spoke to the shepherds no, and to the parents of Jesus, For behold, do not fear, for behold, I give to you a good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Can you imagine this? So many times, so many times in the Bible, we talk about unconditional love because we don't limit it. We don't limit it to my family, not my neighbors. We don't limit it to my friends, not those friends. We don't limit that. We are talking about love without condition. For to you is born today, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. And this is a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped, lying in a manger. I have always questioned about the validity of this verse because I said, of all places, not a palace, not a house, of all places, a manger. Do you know, have you ever seen a manger? I hope not. It's where you see all the poop, you see all the straw, you see all the transportation uh, animals, you know, being dragged in and out, and all the noise. It's so noisy. It's not conducive at all. It's not at all like SGH or KK Hospital. No, thank God. KK Hospital, no, no donkeys and no horses. But that is it. Of all places, God put the Savior the birth of His only begotten Son to be in a place of low significance, a place that no one would even imagine will have any importance. When you want to buy a HDB, the first place that you want to check out is the storeroom, right? Of course not. The first one, the place you want to check out is the living room. Oh, this is where I'll show off my wedding album, my photo, the picture that I bought at the auction in Christie's. You know, wow, I'm going to hang it there. This is where I'll show off my children's certificate, graduation. Wow, you, know, you, you, want to, you want to be proud of that place. Who would say, oh, let me check out the stables. 
Let me check out the manger. Let me check out the storeroom, whether the storeroom looks nice. No one. Because for us, it's not even important. But yet, when the Son of God was born, God wanted him to be where everyone passes through. No matter if you're a businessman, educated Pharisees, or whether you are just an uneducated fisherman, whenever you travel from town to town, you will need transport. You will need a manger. You will need a horse. You need a camel. And that is why he was at the passageway where all men will meet in a manger. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it wonderful that Jesus was not born in an ivory tower in, at Harvard or Princeton where only if you get there can you meet Jesus? I was from another religion due to the Internal Security Act. I will not mention anything at all. But do you know that in my previous religion, I felt that I needed to be good enough. Every time we have to put sacrifices, we have to celebrate at the right dates, we have to be the right type of people, we have to make sure that we are okay, then we can offer sacrifices in my previous religion. And I just, I, I'm just so bewildered, so puzzled, that when Jesus offered us salvation, He didn't give conditions. Are you like Brad Pitt, so handsome? Angelina Jolie? Can you sing like Taylor Swift? No? Cannot? No chance. <laughs> you know, isn't it terrible that our salvation has to be hooked against a merit? I know that we need to have meritocritical values in life. We need to pursue a better situation in life. Please don't misunderstand me. We should not be settling for the status quo and not moving up in life. I believe that we as Christians, God will bless us and we will have influence, whether in the marketplace, whether in our communities, in churches. It goes without saying because God is with us. God will help us so that we can be a blessing. The Abrahamic promise from God to Abraham was that you will be a blessing to all peoples. And that blessing is still valid throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament and up to today. We will be a blessing, but, but we should not chase the blessing. We should chase the blesser. Amen? Tell your neighbor, hey, listen, now, listen. <laughs> Let's not be confounded by what are we chasing today. I think we need to chase the one who really offered us this great gift, Jesus our Lord. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 tells us, The virgin behold, the virgin shall conceive in her womb and will bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God is with us. And that's powerful, isn't it? That when we come to Christmas, it's not about the gifts. I want the gifts are great, 
But let's focus as well that we're talking about the greatest gift, Jesus. And Jesus is with you today. No matter what issues we are going through, when He is with you, He would provide the way out. When He is with you, He will provide you a way to a solution. And this is God, His presence in your life, in your family, in your profession, in your situation. I do believe that when we, when the Protestant church began, it was founded on six principles. Faith and faith alone, the scripture and the scripture alone. Christ and Christ alone, grace and grace alone, and all things for the glory of God alone. And the sixth principle is talking about the priesthood of all believers. So that we understand from day one that when the Protestant church, our church started, it was not to depend only on a sacred class of individuals. You know, in other religions, you have to be born sacred to be a priest. In other religions, you have to belong to a special temple in Tibet to be a priest. But in this relationship with Jesus, it's not about being born in the right place. It's not about having the right relationship. We don't need to be born in the royal family in the UK to be part of this. All we need to do is to be born again. And that was something amazing that I experienced when after my JC, I was invited to a Christmas service. And I was, well, it was my, really my first time going to church. And I went there because I was so paise. Because my friend invited me six times. I always say, no time, la, no time. La. But that year was the A-levels. And he helped me a lot. So I said, hey, I better go. Next time you will help me. So I went. I went to church 24th of December, 1989. Wow, that's a long time ago. Okay, you can guess my age. Okay, and I went with Adrian to church. And that was at that time, I suddenly realized when I heard the songs, when I listened to the message, I realized that, hey, I don't have to be good enough. I don't have to merit this God. And that day, I gave my life to Jesus. And that day transformed my life. My friends, unconditional love really is not about who you are, what you can do. It's about Him. It's about who Jesus is. Jesus is with you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 to 10 tells us, In this, the love of God was revealed in us, because God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. You have to understand that in the Greek, when you talk about the preposition through, it's really talking about allowing him to be the greater vehicle. 
that we become the smallest. That's why the John the Baptist, he, he said, I might decrease so that he may increase. That he becomes the greater part of us. The day we accept Jesus is the day we tell him, God, take me, lead me, and guide me. And that faithful day back in 1989, I, I, I told Jesus, Jesus, I'm really, I don't really know the Bible, don't really know. I have friends. I don't understand, but I just want to, I just want you to be my God. And that day was just the beginning. And I understood one thing, that the day we give our life to Him, He takes over. And He gives us the greatest gift of everlasting life. But what about accountability? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be followers of God as dear children. Okay, listen to this. It doesn't say, therefore, be followers of God as employees. Isn't it? As dear children. What is the difference between following as children and following with as employees? Employees have KPIs, objectives, performance appraisals, isn't it? I love performance appraisals. Every time people are telling you who you are, how good you are, how not good you are. Now that's the society. But when it comes to God, if you are a child of God, if you are His children, when you try to follow Him, whenever we fall, He picks us up. I don't see where in the Bible it says that God leaves us on our own. In my previous religion, we have to aspire towards nothingness. Nothingness. Now the greatest aim in my previous religion was to arrive at nothing. Freedom from all things. And it was hard because it was so much against the fact that we already exist. But when I came to the Lord, I realized that Jesus will take me the way I am. And He will lead me. And when we follow God as children, you know, there's no fear. There's no performance appraisal in front of God. We just follow Him because we love Him and we trust Him and we want to follow Him because He's our Father. I think there are parents out there, if your child misbehaves, does he stop becoming your child? Obviously not. You will just correct perhaps your child, but you will love your child and you will bring your child back because you want your child to understand why. And in the same way, when we follow God as children, He is leading us, correcting us, helping us because He wants us to grow. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us. For when we follow God, we have to follow 
in loving others, just like He has loved us and has given Himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to know that when we have this gift, when we have this gift of love from God, it is an unconditional love. It is a love that is freely given to all of us. In 1961, Fred Schultz, you know, he was a diaper delivery man. He fell down. It was in America. He fell down in the snow. He broke his leg. He could not work for six months. He was stuck in the house. There was no insurance. There was no financial aid. There was no help. There's no one to turn to because every time you try to call a relative, no one wants to pick up the phone. Everybody's scared because it was a difficult time in the US. And during that time, the son of Fred Schultz looked at the father and he said, if one day I'm in a place where I can make a difference, I want to help all my workers. Howard Schultz became the CEO, the, pre, the former CEO of Starbucks International. That's why they believe that every worker should have health insurance, should have a worker's count, account, should have severance. Every worker must have tuition assistance, must have veterans hiring, elder hiring, and they started an employee stock, stock holding program for every worker so that every worker in Starbucks owns the company. This is because Howard Schultz saw the situation of his father and said, this should not happen to somebody who's working hard. He loved his father. My second point today is about love in action. You know, compassionate love. I'm I talked about a non-Christian. I talked about just a human example. But today we are the children of God. Today we know that our love is the true love of God. God wants to allow us to make a difference in the lives of people around us. Jesus himself demonstrated that love in action because while he was on the cross, dying, being crucified, he was able to say to the soldiers, he spoke to the Father, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do, and parting his clothing, they cast lots. You see, so many times, we realize one thing that when we talk about love in action, even that time when Jesus was held by the soldiers, He loved them. Which is easier to do? To love people that like you or love people that don't like you? The answer is obvious, isn't it? But which is even harder to do is if you're in an office environment and some people are being ostracized in an office. 
will you want to also be friends with that person? If somebody is the black sheep of the company, will you want to be a support to that person? Or if someone in the family is constantly getting into trouble, do you want to be there for that person? I won't tell you who it is. In my family, there was a person who was a constant gambler. And every time he has money, he will go to the casino. And every time he needs help, he will call a particular relative. And until people stop picking up his phone call, because they knew that it's just trouble. But my wife and her, three, and her two sisters, whenever that person picks up the phone call, they would answer. And even though it's so hard for them to continue to trust in the person, they would still help. But I want to thank God that today that person has stopped because someone gave them a chance. Someone acted on love. Someone had compassionate love. Is that easy? It is so hard. You know, it's so hard to have faith in people you see every single day. So many times when I told people when I first started to be a Christian, hey, you, you Christian, are you sure not? You are. You also can be Christian. <laughs> I'm sure none of you got that. But really, people are, they, because they feel that because I know you, for the last 15 years of your life, I can predict whether you'll be a failure or a success. How many times we go through HR selection processes when you go to a job, and then before you even speak, they already tell you, I don't think you're suitable for this job because of your age, your ethnicity, your abilities. On paper, I'm sorry, I... Uh, you are not even called for an interview. I'm sorry, if there's anybody in HR, I'm not, I'm not blaming you, okay? But I'm just telling, trying to tell each one, every one of us that really, in this world, they don't give chance. What about the church? What about the church? Can you imagine a prostitute walking into church dressed like a prostitute sitting next to your husband <gasps> can you imagine that you say hey darling come over here don't sit so close the perfume too strong <laughs> it's, uh, I'm taking a ridiculous example because I know it will never happen alright so that everybody can be, oh yeah, this speaker, uh, how come like that? Uh. <laughs> the sinful woman came to Jesus with an alabaster jar. It cost her one year of her salary, but she felt that she had the only chance to meet Jesus that day. Even though the people looked down on her, looked at her with funny expressions the Pharisees were horrified 
to see her walk to the presence of Jesus. She overcame her pride. She overcame her past. She walked to Jesus and she did nothing else. She cried. She applied perfume. She used her hair to wipe his feet. Love in action. At the end, Jesus said, her sins, which are so many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, he loves little. I'm not here to judge, but I looked at Jesus and said, God, can we love more? Can we act out on our love? You see, Jesus, it's really about people. Can the church be about people? Not about what type of people are coming to the church. Not about what class of people, but just allowing God. Sorry. Allowing God to be God in His church. And that's the wonderful thing about Jesus. He's always about people. Matthew 14, verse 14. Jesus went out and saw a great crowd. He was moved with compassion toward them. He healed their sick. You know, in the Greek, when the word moved with compassion, it's like your stomach is rolling, not because you ate kway chap, you know, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it really is like your inside. You see something and you cannot sleep. You, it just... You know, have, have you done something wrong at work and then you go home and say, hey, 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 what would my boss say? Well, I cannot sleep. Yeah, but thank God, nothing happened like that. For Jesus, that was, he just saw the predicament of the people and he was moved with compassion. So, I mean, I will show you verses after verses. He was moved. Mark 1, moved with compassion. 14, moved with compassion. They said to him, we are here. You know, one thing is that Jesus, he's amazing. The, the, the disciples, did. they were accountants among them, you know. Levi, Matthew, they, they know how to count. They said, we are so many people. Jesus was moved with compassion. Yeah, but hey, Jesus, uh, we, you have to be realistic. How? How to feed so many people? We only have five loaves and two fish. How to feed 5,000? What school did you go to? 
It's not possible. But you know what? With Jesus, all things are possible because He will provide. He cannot provide the motivation. The motivation has to be from within you. But He will always provide the resources. I was telling Dr. David in the beginning of the service, I said, what a wonderful work you have done you know, in this place. You have left a legacy, a church, wonderful people, a great team. The worship was great. Let's remember to tell the worship leader, wonderful, lean but great. Amen. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, isn't it wonderful that we can come together and worship a God who cares about people. Mark chapter 6, he was moved with, you know, he was constantly moved with compassion. A lot of times I say, God, uh, you, you are so moved with compassion. Sometimes I look at people, I so sad, so sad, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to be honest sometimes. <sighs> but, Jesus brings us back to the question, you give them something. Yeah, if Jesus wanted us to learn something, he will use us to learn something. And that's why Jesus said, you give them something. And from that, five loaves and two fishes, they fed 5,000 men. And if you know Jewish calculation, they didn't count the woman. So it was 10,000 human beings and they didn't count children because children were non-existent in the culture. Not here, lah, Singapore, children all have iPhone. Okay. <laughs> okay the iPhone exists. <laughs> they had 15,000, 20,000 people fed from two fishes and five loaves. Isn't that amazing? Let me go on to my third point the first point was unconditional love the second point was love in action and the third point is the call to loving others yes the call to loving others michael sandel the chair of political philosophy in harvard university He's a great speaker. If you're on YouTube, listen to some of his teachings. Excellent. He talks about equality in society. And he said, in recent decades, market values have crowded out non-market norms in almost every aspect of life. Medicine, education, government, law, art, sports, even family life and personal relationships. Without quite realizing it, we have drifted from having a market economy to becoming a market society where everything can be bought at a price. Of course, we're not talking about here. We're only talking about Singapore, <laughs> US. And that is what he saw in the societal trends. That used to be you have an economy and you are trading where things were being bought, commodities, you know, things were being bought and sold at equal values. But today, anybody wants an eye, they can go to China. 
Anybody wants a liver, they can go to some other nations. Anybody wants a child, they can go to India. Anybody wants a wife, they can go somewhere else. We have drifted from allowing things to help our life to allowing things to dictate our existence. And that's the scary part that Michael Sandel was talking about. And that's why I felt that there's something missing. You know, society is improving. We cannot oppose that. But are we improving, but at what price? And that's why we are reminded by the word from Jesus, this is my commandment in John 15, that you love one another as I have loved you. No man has greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did for us. He loved us as his friends. And he gave us a purpose. Why are we still here today on this earth? Mark chapter 10 verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why. We remember the parable of the Good Samaritan from Luke chapter 10 verse 30. You know, this Samaritan, he saw this Jewish man who was beaten by robbers. Before him, there was Pharisees that walked by and did not care. Before him, there was a religious leader, a Levite, that didn't care. But it took this Palestinian, Muslim, whatever, man, with another complete religious belief. But we understand that Samaritans worshipped God, but on another mountain. And it took this man to show compassion for this Jewish man. Why am I saying this? I wanted to remind us that when we are called to love others, we are called to love others without expecting a return. Because so many times we are in, in a market economy, a market society where there must be an ROI, return of investment. If I inv help you, it's so that you can come to my church. If I help you, it is so that you can, must believe in my God. If I help you, it is because I must have tangible returns of investment. But my friends, I don't think Jesus was trained in economics. He was trained in the Word, in the will of His Father, and He just said, go and love others. Colossians chapter 3 verse 11 says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, foreigner, Scythian, slave, freeman, but Christ is all things in all. Our God is greater than all the differences. I'm not talking about mixing religions. I'm just saying that our God 
can bring people to Him and we don't have to force it. We must share the word. We must invite, but God will do the work. So therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender feelings of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Yes, that is it. May God help us to love others, but without a mentality of a market exchange. If you help someone, help them because of Christ. If you invite someone to church, invite because you know it will help them. And that makes a difference in the way we relate to people that we are reaching out to. You know why? I'm going to close with this illustration. There's a French doctor, Frederick Dubas. He spent many years in neuroscience. And he realized one thing. Whenever he sees patients recovering, he saw that there was a direct correlation to the way he treated the patient. If you treat a patient like number 3341, come and take your medicine. 3341, go and see the doctor. 3341, go home. Come back in one month. There was very little improvement in the patient outcome. But when he took time to talk to 3341, he said, what's your name? John? John what? John Lim. Oh, John, how many children do you have? Oh, where do you stay? And when he treated the patient like a human being, like a person with intrinsic value, a person who is not just a patient, but a person with a history, with a family, with a story, with a narrative, he realized that those patients got better health results. So he wrote a book about it, The Medicine and the Subject of Medicine. And I realized one thing. If we reach out to someone so that he can be a number, number 57 person I bring to church, hallelujah, it's very good. Who is number 57? Is he married? Does he have uh, children? What does, his, what does he do? What is his job? How many of us are willing to take the time to get to know number 57? Actually, I, I, I ask the question myself because so many times it's so much easier for me to pray for that person than to spend one hour listening to that person. Prayer, one minute. Listening, one hour. You choose. But I thank God, Christmas, we are reminded once again. Let us embrace the gift of love of Christmas. Let us embrace the love, the unconditional love of God. Let us embrace love in action, the compassionate love of God. And let us love others as people. Get to know them. Reach out to them 
and understand their needs and take time to be their friend, reflecting on Christ's love. Shall we just pray? I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward, if they can, to just um, accompany us with a song. When they start singing the song in a while, we would like to open up the altar so that those who would like to respond to today's message could do so. Perhaps some of us out here, you don't understand the salvation story of Jesus, but today you feel that I want to know Jesus as my friend, as my God, as my King. Perhaps you are out on YouTube, you're watching this remotely somewhere. I'd like you to put down that you would like to know more on the comments of the YouTube or on the Facebook so that the church leaders can provide the answers needed to help you. But those who are here today, if someone would say, I really want to grow and know this message of Jesus, I'd like to invite you to lift up your hands. Thank you, Lord. Some of us here, you really want to learn as Jesus to love, love as Jesus, to have compassion as Jesus, to embrace the gift of love for this Christmas season. I'd like to invite you to lift up your hands to the Lord and say, God, help me, help me. I want to love like you do. I want to embrace this Christmas, your love, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for the church, for Maranatha Church, Lord, for the work of Pastor Dr. David, for Pastor Elvin, the pastoral team. Lord, we ask for a special blessing on each and everyone who are here. And Lord, for those who are watching from afar, Lord, that you will touch them as well. And for every one of us who are here today, Lord, we want to have the love of Jesus in our hearts. We want to embrace this love, unconditional love, a compassionate love, a love that reaches out to love others. Lord, help us to love others for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please.